How many got your Bibles? Yeah, bring them Bibles. Something about the smell. Well, God bless you. I'm glad. It's good that we have our on our phone because I people will ask me all the time, where is such and such a verse? And I get my phone and go to my app and I can tell them. And they think I'm the wisest guy in, in the world, you know. So, all right, we're looking at the 10th chapter of the book of Mark. Uh, it's about marriage. And I'll be honest with you. I'm honest. I, I really thought about this. What, what do I say to a group and to a generation that honored marriage, that uh, heard that part, sickness and health, prosperity and adversity, till death do us part. And yet, there is a need for this teaching. We never know what we need, but God does. And so after a week of not being able to study anything else, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture where the Pharisees followed Jesus all the way out of Galilee from Jerusalem across the Jordan. He's going to be in a place called Peria, P-E-R, E-A, which is across the Jordan. That's what that word means, is across. And it's in the place where Herod Agrippa ruled. Herod Agrippa is the one that took the head of John the Baptist. So maybe they figured they had Jesus in a, in a tight spot. But they're going to question him. And they're going to question him again about what is being questioned today? I don't know if you have realized this or not. The the attacks, this the immorality uh, of this society, all stems from sin against God's creation. Have, have you thought about that? There is that sin against. Creation itself, that God created it. The best they could come up with is one day it exploded and whatever exploded, they've never explained to me what exploded if nothing was here. Okay, that's the first thing I want to know. Who created what was here that's going to explode? Well, it exploded, whoever created it and whatever was there and everything like we know it came together. Now, I want to tell you something. People say it's hard to believe the Word of God. I say that story they got is harder for me to believe. I, I can believe most anything in this world, but not that. They've come against creation. They're coming against man. They've turned men who were supposed to be leaders and protectors and and of their family into a bunch of whimpering wimps from television commercials to everything else. A man is so stupid, he can't tie his own shoes. They're coming against women. That is, women need to be men. Did you know that God himself in the curse said to Eve and to all womankind, when he said your desire will be to your husband, that didn't mean you're going to look at him with moony eyes, stumble on yourself, and think he's the greatest thing in the world. 
That's not what that passage. That passage in the Hebrew actually means the woman's desire is going to be in the leadership role her husband has. And knock, knock, guess what? This is where we are. And that is that teaching against that. And they're coming against marriage. We're going to talk about that today. We're, they come against children. They, the basic sins were right there in the beginning. God created the heavens and earth. And because of the fall of man, every sin known to man came into being because of a rebellion against God. That's where we stand right now today. Let's read this passage from Mark 10, verses 1 through 12. Let me set it up. He left that place. Where was that place? If you remember last week, that place was Peter's house. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He has spent approximately six months in Judea. Mark does not mention, for whatever reason, that period of time and that ministry in Judea. He picks it up when he goes across to Peria. And the Pharisees are going to be following him. And they're going there, not because they want to hear his teachings. They go to try to trick him. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea across the Jordan, Peria. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Jesus was never too much of a hurry to get somewhere that he didn't have time to give time to the people around him. That's one of the overlooked teachings, I think, in the Word of God. We are busy people. Don't get in our way when we're going from here to there because we are traveling. It's a great lesson. We pass by opportunities every day to share the love of Jesus Christ, to reach out to someone, to simply to be kind in search of someone to talk to. As was his custom, when they gathered, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him. What was the test? Well, there were what was called rabbinical schools. And what these rabbinical schools were, were basically seminaries, teaching rabbis to be rabbis. And they were teaching uh, the scriptures. Now, just now as then, there were two schools of thought. There was the liberal rabbi school and there was the conservative. Liberal conservative is nothing new. They had those same type of commentaries. And so the Pharisees, they don't want any information. They just want Jesus to answer the question and then the opposite school will be against him and want to join the Pharisees and kill him. That's their plot. He, they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? 
Jesus said, what did Moses command you? Now, this is tricky. He's tricking them, okay? And if you go to Matthew 19 and read Matthew's account of this, it's different. And you say, aha, there's something wrong. There's a, no, not at all. Jesus is asking the most learned men, what did Moses command you? Okay. They said, and here's where they had to admit the truth. I know it had to kill them. Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. We'll explain that in a minute. Jesus said it was because of your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Let me, let me say something. I can remember early in my church going and uh, early in my preacherhood, I guess you would call it. I heard it explained that when God puts two people together, he takes a half here and a half here and makes a whole. There's a, there is a Greek word that will explain that. Garbage. Okay? No, God never created a half of person. He takes a whole person with a personality, likes, dislikes, the whole schmear, and takes another person the same way. And from whatever differences or likes they have, they become one flesh. They begin to melt and mold together. I don't ever believe, as I've studied this, that someone's personhood is absorbed by the other. But I think what God really creates is one super person in Christ himself. Takes those two, brings them the best, and brings them together. And they become this one flesh. That's one of the reasons God has said he hates divorce. Simply because... He has made the bond, okay? All right. No longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That word in the Greek, no one, means no one, okay? Are you all writing this down? I'm trying to help you. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Hold it there. Therein is the cause of this message. So many times when we look at life, In our zeal, we do one or two things, and both of them are harmful. One, we begin to try to 
adjust the reasons to justify a divorce. And we do it with good intentions. Or we will adjust in order to make it so stringent that people stay away from it. Both of those schools of thought are absolutely wrong. You cannot twist Scripture in order to satisfy a situation. That's not how the Scriptures are. The Scriptures are set in stone. By that I mean their meaning, the outcome, and the fruit of Scripture remains the same. It is not there for us to mold into the time in which we live. It is there in the time in which we live to mold the culture in order to be a godly culture. Now, are there reasons for divorce? Yes, and I'm not going to go into those today. I'm not going to give you a list. For one simple reason, if I were to give you what I see as biblical, then somebody out there would base divorcing somebody on what I've said. And so if you got that in your mind today, you're going to have to be creative and come up with your own stuff, okay? I'm not going to help you out on that. I'm going to stay with what Scripture says because there's one rule of Scripture. That is, every time God's Word is ignored or perverted. How do you pervert the Word of God? You change the meaning to meet your need. The outcome is always tragedy. No good ever comes from going away from the Word of God. Every year, over one million people will file for divorce. I've heard people say, well, a, a uh, what is it they call a no-fault divorce, which is stupid wording to begin with. There's some fault somewhere or you wouldn't be getting a divorce. Am I wrong? Huh? I mean, I'm just saying. But in this, they say, well, you know, no, no one gets hurt. Well, let me tell you, two million people are involved, husband and wife. Several other million people are involved, being the children. And so you got a whole gaggle of people who all of a sudden, their world has come apart because they've taken that easy way out. I read an article that says the ratio of divorces are down. Now, let me tell you about figuring. I used to work uh, in a finance company, and I was a manager And we had an audit, a state audit, and we had company auditors that came in. And when I was a young man, he told me something I have never forgotten, and it's been very helpful for me. He came in for my first audit, and I told him, Norm, take a look. Figures don't lie. And he turned around and looked at me, and he said, Cliff, you're right. Figures do not lie. Liars figure. That's what happens in surveys. So the ratio of divorces to marriages is down. And when you search the reason, people are shacking up together. They're not getting married. 
So if marriages are down, the ratio of divorce to marriages is going to be down, right? It's not a reason. Listen, in years past, marriages were held together for many reasons. There was a financial, uh, excuse me, a family push. Families just would not allow marriages to break up. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpa, they all got involved in helping people work through their problems. Now, my wife and I just celebrated 56 years of marriage. And I want to tell you, well, God bless her. (laughs) She's going straight to heaven. But listen, marriage is not easy. Is it? I mean, is mine the only one? Listen, you got to fight to stay married because you have an enemy that will use everything to break you up. You know, in the marriage ceremony, it says you leave your father and mother and you cleave, hold on for dear life to each other. And that's what you got to do in this world. Hold on. And that back in our days, the family came to the rescue and they just would not allow. They made people sit, sit down, listen, and work through their problems. Not only that, the community, the community didn't put up with divorce. It wasn't widely accepted. When I was a kid, I can remember, late, you know, ladies be talking. And when they'd be talking about a woman, they would say, she's a... And they would whisper, thinking I couldn't hear. But they would spell out divorce, divorcee. And it's like, this is bad. You see, there was a look on divorcee. Now, I'm not saying we hold divorcees or anyone in that type of deal, okay? How many of you read the Scarlet Letter in high school? Do you read that? Hester Prynne. She got caught uh, committing adultery and they made her wear a great big scarlet A uh, on her chest all the time. So we don't do that to people. But what I am saying in the realm of the world in which we once lived, marriage was the optimum, not divorce. And we have lost that today. And remember when I talked about perverting scripture? Sometimes we use scripture just to verify our views or we change it in order to allow it or we change it to make people uh, afraid of it. But you know what? We need to understand God ordained this marriage right from the very beginning of creation. That's what he said the world will operate on. And if you look at the reality of it, as the breakdown of the family has come, so has the breakdown of society. But I believe God, when he created man, woman, nobody, man, woman. And I'm going to say right now, and I want you to understand, you can get all cut up and put up. And get different parts and put other parts on. And when you get through, you're still a man or you're still a woman. That's the way it is. God created it. You can't go against it. Okay? 
So he created them and then he did not create them to be apart. He said, it's not good that man is apart by himself. And so he brought them together for the family and from the family, the creation of children. And in this ideal world before sin, then this godly family would raise godly children into a godly world. But we have a problem. Sin entered in and has been chipping away at the morality and at the very foundation of God's creation. We need to understand that we, as the body of Christ, are to represent the truth of Scripture. There's an old song that y'all probably like to sing, if you remember it. Rescue the perishing. Y'all remember that song? Listen, our job is to look for people who are having problems. We need to stand with people. You talk about loneliness, putting people in isolation. I know you, you can go to any community, maybe yours. And I guarantee you there are people living on your block for maybe 25 or 30 years, and I can say who lives in the fifth house, and y'all go, I don't know. Why? Because we have pulled in when God has called us to move out. Because, you see, we have the truth. You see, we have the way of life. Why is marriage so important? It pictures God's love for his people. Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives. Bring her presents, flowers. Can't know. Love your wife just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To the unbelieving world, a marriage, a godly marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride, of God and his people, and God loving them with all of his heart, giving his very best, his son. Husbands, love your wife. Give yourself up. Listen, one of the keys to a happy marriage is very simple. Yes, dear. Now listen, ladies and husband, you know why I say that? Because I want you to really figure out what you argue about, okay? How important is the stuff or the battle that you're going to win? Have you ever thought about that? You know, the wife walks away and says, ah, I got him. Husband struts, boy, I really showed her who's boss. Crack. Because there's that remembrance. You see, we are to submit in love to one another. It is a mutual. Yeah, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. You know, there are churches that don't preach that because the women of the church has demanded that that's not the 21st century. But I'll tell you what. When you live the formula of the word of God, you will have battles in your marriage. You will have to fight and cleave and hold on. But you will have a marriage that passes the test of times. 
And God will honor that marriage. And that marriage may be the one thing that will help someone you don't even know who is actually going through that chaos of life. You see, when Satan can destroy the family, he's digging at the very foundation of who we are. The question was, did Moses command a divorce? When you go to Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, you don't have to put it up. I'm going to tell you the gist of it. Men at that time could just walk out on their wife. You see, women were property. They didn't have any rights. They didn't have anything. They were there to cook, scrub, take care of the kids, and do whatever the guy wanted. That, I mean, basically, you were a piece of property. And so a man could get tired of you and walk away. And they were doing it even in that time. And so Moses said this. If you're going to break the sacred bonds of, of marriage, there's only one way. And that is through immorality and adultery. He set the standards in order to protect women and to protect their rights. He wasn't saying, look for this and go. Because I want to tell you something. And hear me well. Again, listen to me. Yes, there are valid reasons for a divorce. Okay? But I want to tell you, 99% of the time, if it's something that's happened that God can forgive you over, Y'all can forgive each other. And that forgiveness, forget the garbage of forgive and forget. You're not going to forgive and forget. But forgive to the point that it no longer matters. And if God can forgive you, you can forgive each other. But you see, we're in a society that says, build your case. Just in case something better comes on, comes by. But I want to remind you, a great writer said this. Emma Bombeck said, the grass is always greener over the cesspool. <laughs> Let me tell you some ways to strengthen your marriage. And also you're saying, preacher, why are you telling us? We know this. We've been good guys. We're married, yada, yada. That's cool. Some of you, I know, are, are sharing an adventure of a second marriage, and that's cool. Some of you know young people who are going to be married, that you can pour into their life. You can help them. Number one, you start right in your marriage. Paul wrote in Second Corinthians, don't be unequally yoked, believer with non-believer. Don't be unequally yoked in business. Don't be unequally yoked in life. And don't be unequally yoked in marriage because it is not an equal marriage. Secondly, as I've said, sins forgiven by God can be forgiven by you. Number three, never, ever consider divorce as an option. Okay? Never, ever Start the, I'm going back to mama's house. Okay? We told our kids we love you with all of our heart. They swore 
they were leaving. As soon as they got 18, every one of them stayed at home until they were 21. For three years, I reminded them, you're leaving at 18. Okay? As they began to get married, I further reminded you them, your bedroom is no longer here. It's going to be whatever I want it to be. So if you're going to leave here, you better have the money to go to a hotel because I don't want you back here. Those were just very simple instructions. You say, well, that's very hard. No, I'm not going to let them come and get comfortable at my house. I'll go to a hotel and, and counsel with them and help them and love them. But you see, you don't consider options. When you get married, you get married for life. Put Christ first in your marriage. A husband better put Christ before his wife, and a wife better put Christ before her husband. Because Christ does not take second place to anyone or to anything. And you will honor and love your mate by putting Christ ahead of them. And then simply follow biblical instructions. Listen, this is a roadmap to life. Paul in Ephesians 5, bring that up. We'll, we'll read it. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. You know what it said in verse 24? Wives, submit to your husbands. I don't know a woman in her right mind that would not submit to a man who loves her in this way. And secondly, I don't know a husband in his right mind that when his wife submits to her and follows him will not become that husband who loves and protects her because each finds out they have a gem and you just don't lose gems. I've talked to people who make jokes. They'll say, how long have you been married? And they'll say, happily. And you say, yeah. Well, I've been happy one year and been married 30 years. You see how stupid that sounds? Do you see what a mockery against God it is? Listen, I've, I've made the same stupid jokes. But you know what? We're in a society where the jokes on things of God and his creation probably need to stop. We, of all people, need to hold that banner as we speak and as we live, simply forgiving one another in Christ and encouraging to bring out the best in our mates. Paul told Timothy to tell older men and older women to instruct younger men 
and younger women. That may be your call. It may be a call to strengthen your own marriage. You know, when we get this age, we want to finish strong and finish well. Do you realize that the divorce rate in people over 65 has risen? Let's look what the Word of God says. Let's live it out every day. Fathers, we come to you. Thank you that your Word, Lord, is not harmful. Your Word is literally life. And so today, I pray this Word will go where it's needed. There are people online that need this Word. I I pray, Father God, that today, uh, Lord, if there's a decision they need to make, a person to talk to, Lord, there's a button there that they can hit and they can write out and we will we'll be there. It's, we're as close as a, a phone call and a visit. But Lord, help us to measure ourselves when Scripture is, is read. And I pray that we would see a strengthening of your prized creation, the family. In Jesus' name, amen.